Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. This week we are on episode number 10 and we are still continuing with Australia and we are going to be visiting two other areas uh, on the so we have Queensland on the east coast um, north of Sydney um, where the Great Barrier Reef is and the Daintree Rainforest. Would you believe it's the only place in the world where two UNESCO sites actually meet physically? So that is amazing. So I'm going to take you there and explore and tell you all the amazing activities I've done. And of course, I visited down south Melbourne, uh, where I met some beautiful beautiful fairy penguins the smallest of the species um and it was right in the city would you believe that where they're actually nesting so we'll go on adventures to those two places and also a little bit about the bees and nature and the plants and the book um and all of that jazz so just a thank you before we start um, to the patrons who support the podcast. If you can support uh, my message and my mission, I would really appreciate your contribution. And it can be whatever you value this podcast, or it can be the price of a cup of coffee or a packet of seeds, whichever you like. And, and, and this is a big actual announcement for me because I wanted to say a massive, massive, massive thank you. I actually put in an order this morning for an extractor and um, beehives. So um, it is with huge um, gratitude to all of you who supported me this year um, that I was able to put that order through. Um, and beekeeping is a very expensive business because yeah it doesn't uh, you're you're talking you're going into the hundreds then you're going into the thousands like it doesn't come um, easy and not just a thank you for supporting the podcast but thank you to everybody who came and got veg or came and got honey and my book of course I can't thank you enough um and as well a massive thank you i was in middleton books during the week and they um i went in to check the stock and quite a good amount were sold so i was really really happy and i just can't thank you enough and um yeah it's it's crazy really because i met a friend the other day and she said to me she had just come home after about a year um living abroad uh, in Spain and she said what she was like strangers buy your book <laughs> and I was like yep I think so um so it's a bit surreal because the last time we spoke I was actually only talking about the book saying like oh I'm going to do a book you know and there was no action made on it so it's just amazing to finally meet and be like you know it was like a pinch in the it was a real wake-up call for me that I was like oh yeah I made the book and it's in shops and it's actually being sold and it's, you know, it's amazing. So that's a big thank you as well because I wouldn't have been able to afford the bee equipment and all of that is helping me with my work with nature and conservation and of course healing 
the collective and nature alike together. So thank you so much to anybody who has supported my business. So let's get on with our adventure as we arrive into Queensland. So I was in Sydney, as you know, and I flew up to Cairns. Um, so it's north of the continent. And of course, I went there for the Great Barrier and the rainforest um, where so much species reside and so much unique and rare species. So I was so excited for that. Um, so, yeah, so I had booked like um, some diving with a tour operator up there and unfortunately my first venture out to the Great Barrier didn't go very well um so I went out with a company on a boat in the morning it was a full day event and I had never scuba dived before and it was like a basically like an adventure dive where you would get a, a training before it um a couple of hours and um yeah, you would like basically get a really, really quick overview of how to dive. So um, it was very rushed and it didn't feel very relaxed. There was a lot of people on the boat. I was starting to feel a bit like overwhelmed because it was just, I didn't feel at ease with the instructor. And our training was at like 8 a.m. in the morning. And then like they called me to go diving at about 2 p.m., so like in the difference of those hours, like I didn't really, not that I didn't remember what, what it was, but like when you dive first, it's a lot to take in, you know, like when you actually, when I eventually actually did my um diving cert, like I was doing that for four days or five days, you know, like several, several dives um, and loads of, you know, um, steps to uh, complete to actually be a certified diver. And I just, it was just so much to take in and the guy wasn't very, I don't think he was very patient, you know. So there was me, a dad and his two or three sons, if I remember right, and we were going down on the rope and he was like, okay, three, two, one, like really fast. Everything was super fast and rushed and I was just not feeling at ease. Um, so we went down the rope anyways, and I had no idea really how to breathe through a regulator, like breathing in and out through the mouth. And then there was, we were down on the rope, maybe five, six meters, and we were going down one by one, and we were all on the rope. And then like the boy up the top of the rope, I don't know if he got, he became afraid or what, but the scuba instructor went back up to him and check was he all right. And then I, like my ears were popping then, um... And I didn't really know what to do. And I was looking up and I was looking for the instructor. And he was like making the scuba signals at me. And like I couldn't remember them from 8am in the morning. I just, I didn't really know what was going on, you know. Um. So eventually he was kind of like, you know, what's wrong with you? And getting a bit frustrated with, with all of us really. Um, one of the boys actually ended up leaving the water and I was like, where's the instructor? How do I breathe? Am I going to have a panic attack down here? Because it's so scary, like, because it's totally foreign to the body, like, you know. And it is very easy to go into a panic attack because you're breathing through your mouth, your chest cavity is filling up. 
like if if it gets dark down there you're just in nothingness you know you've no sound it's just well little sound um sound actually gets amplified and distorted and so does the visual like you think things are closer but they're further away and that's the un- the water world you know it's it's amazing but it can also be you can also get fearful you know so eventually then he came back to me we couldn't fig- I couldn't f- we he couldn't figure out what was wrong with me he didn't understand I came up I told him my ears I I didn't know how to um depop them or whatever I couldn't figure out you know it was just very stressful and then knowing that one boy left I was like what happened to him is there something wrong and the guy had no patience he was just like come on we need to go down we need to go down and eventually then he was like look you're better just leaving don't like you're better leaving the water and quitting the diving just go snorkeling instead and I was just like okay like and he was really just didn't have any care at all you know and I had paid a couple of hundred to do it so yeah it was just awful for my first time and very stressful and I was afraid like you know so after then uh, they did the dive and I was a bit up like I was disappointed after I traveled all the way all the way to Queensland you know very far place all the way out into the you know the great barrier and took a boat for you know I don't know an hour or two out into the open ocean to get to these reefs um and I think it's about you know there's over 3,000 kilometers of it it's it's insanely massive but yeah in the end then I remember the instructor came out of the water and he was like where are you from and I said Ireland I'll never forget it and then he goes oh yeah the Irish aren't good in the water and it just um it really stuck with me when he said that and it was real like insult you know and I just didn't even bother you know I was just upset but in the end I went off snorkeling and I got to see some coral but it again like it was very bleached it wasn't great and yeah it wasn't the best experience so what I would say if you ever do go diving there like don't get a boat that's got a lot of people on it you know make sure you really check out the company and all of that which I did but I just I just got unlucky um so that was that so I eventually came back to the mainland and I went to I decided I was on a bus I was going back down the coast and I met this couple on the bus and they were like you went diving and I was like I did and um they were just so shocked at my experience and they were really lovely and they were like don't come all the way to Australia and just not dive here they were like don't do it don't go home that don't believe what he said because I was really like shook over it and upset and um yeah and and I'm not used to letting fear get the better of me you know I always embrace it and go through with it so eventually then I had like a day left you know in Cairns I remember and um I saw that there was this place called Green Island and you can look it up online it is outstandingly beautiful this coral key it's about like 45 minute ferry ride from the mainland and um just insanely beautiful and they do have a resort on there but it's it's very low lying so like all the building 
is you know preserving nature in the sense that like the trees are surrounding it so they built in amongst the trees and there's no infrastructure like there's nothing above the trees to keep the island looking pristine and natural which is amazing um and i've seen that in other places as well where they'll keep architecture before below the tree lines which is um really admirable um so yeah, so eventually I went out there, I got the ferry and I was really nervous because I was like, oh please, oh please, oh please, please be a nice like company, please let me get a nice instructor, like I really want this to go well and this is like my last attempt, you know. Um, and can you imagine like coming from Ireland, like I would have had to fly 35 hours, three planes after this. So I really was just hoping for the best, you know. So eventually I got this tour operator on the island. Um, they were actually a Japanese company. And I was like, oh, this is different. And, you know, they were just so nice. Like I couldn't have asked for nicer people. And I ended up having an instructor who was a young girl, about 20 five or something and I was so impressed with her I was like I can't believe you're a scuba instructor diver you know teacher and she was so lovely and it was actually just me and her and that was it and I felt so comfortable so at ease much more calm and we first we did a first kind of pre-dive test where we went into a swimming pool and she just kind of went through the breathing technique and the signals in the swimming pool so like if I were to panic or become afraid I could actually easily just come out of the water and some people don't think the swimming pool is good but I really really benefited from it because I knew I was safe you know um and my heart was racing like racing so we did that it went all well I'll never forget how scared I was and we eventually went out on the boat so we went out on a boat and then there was another like one or there was a cameraman this young Japanese guy, super kind as well. And then another another guy, I think, with, um, I think, two other, you know, divers that were paying as well, you know. So we went out anyway in the boat for a few minutes out to one of the, the where the bigger depths were and, and reefs. Um, and I remember being on the edge with the girl and she was like, we kind of went down the rope together again, like about a meter or two and my heart was pumping it was pounding out of my body but she had her arm linked around mine so there was like no going back and she made me feel so safe and we eventually she just pulled me off the line and I just ended up floating in the water and moving along with her with my little flippers and I was like oh my god like I, I was so like excited but also so nervous and my whole body, I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And literally within not even one or two seconds, there was this massive turtle in front of us. Like I didn't even have time to check in with my body that it was like in a mode of panic or excitement because there was just this massive turtle. And she was just like, you know, like nudging my arm, like, you know, as in like, oh my God, look at this, you know. So this big, huge sea turtle and the cameraman just went in front of us. And I remember he took a shot. He went down below the turtle and he took a shot of us, he took the turtle and us above it looking down and it was just sensational. I'll never forget it and 
it was like one of those glorious moments where you don't know if you're going to cry or just be happy with delight because I had gotten over the fear. I was now in the water down, you know, you know, eight meters or whatever it was. And I was just so happy and I just couldn't believe I saw a turtle because turtles were like, you know, one of my animals that I'm a little, you know, obsessed with, like whales and turtles and and all of that. Well, bees too. <laughs> but yeah, but it was amazing. And then we carried on um, around for maybe like half an hour, which seemed like five minutes. And um, we saw another turtle. We saw like the Finding Nemo fish. And it was just amazing. The most beautiful and blissful experience I could ever imagine. And then they got me to kneel down on the ocean floor. And we got to see these big, huge shells. And they got me to hold this, well, it was kind of a touristy thing, but they got me to hold this like banner saying the Great Barrier Reef or whatever. So it was amazing. And I was really happy. And my smile, my smile was brimming under the regulator. Um, But yeah, and... Yeah, you're you're like, I suppose I was so nervous that I was trying to like, you know, unpop my ears and then I was trying to get the water out of the goggle and then I was trying to, you know, that kind of a way. Because when you do the dive cert, you have to do all of those tasks and sometimes I was just afraid, you know, like taking off the goggles underwater, being like, what if I can't see? Like, what if I die? You know, and then filling the mask with water, putting the mask back on you know, and then like getting all the water out, like it can be nerve wracking, but like you do get through it step by step. And this was all before my dive certification. So I was totally new and I'd never experienced that way of breathing. So it was um, a real new way of being and, and getting over. And if you are listening and you haven't dived, I would definitely, definitely recommend it because it's just so profound, the experience and what you can see below the ocean is it's just so beautiful and it would be a waste to come on this earth and live here and never see that that's what I believe you know I I believe every not every corner should be explored but you should explore and you should venture and you should see all that you can while you're here and 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 experience and, and see the species that are rare and and just dive into every fear you know, because fear at the end of the day is just protection. And for me, I, I just have to tell my ego, like, you know, we're safe and everything's going to be fine. And millions of people dive every day and they're OK. You know, it goes fine. And, you know, I guess at the end of it, if you did die, you you die doing something you love, you know. And yeah. And it's amazing. So that was Green Island. So have a look at that. It's amazing. Um, And I think you can stay there as well. And you know, the Great Barrier, it's the largest living organism. So, you know, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. Um, Although actually they have found fungi now multi like this fungi network in different areas on the globe which actually is now classed as I think the largest living organism you know the mycelium below the surface um so (laughs) I don't yeah maybe there's a bit of a conflict on that one but yeah um and then another um 
So along with the Great Barrier, you have the Daintree Rainforest. So I went up to an area called Cape Tribulation. And it is like a place where there's loads of beaches. And you have... So I got to go to this one beach, which was just so divine. And got to have a nice dinner and go across this... um, kind of lake where there was crocodiles and yeah we were on a boat and there was crocodiles and um yeah we got to visit this place this beach hut place and we had dinner and like loads of newlyweds would visit there because I found these like wedding kind of uh archways and stuff really beautiful really beautiful but it's the only place in the world where you have two UNESCO sites so the coral reef, the Great Barrier, and the rainforest, um, and this rainforest is one hundred and thirty-five million years old. So it's uh very very ancient, and it's the oldest tropical lowland on the planet. Um, and you have super 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 rare species that live there. Um, you have like tree frogs and tree kangaroos and. And oh, you have this bird called the cassowary. Cassowary, I'm trying to say it now. But basically it's this bird. Uh, you can also look up a picture of it. Quite unique, but quite dangerous. Like it has been known to kill humans. It has this like three toenails and one of them is like super long. And it can actually like, if it gets into any part of your body that's precious, it could kill you. Like it killed one teenager by getting his vein in his neck or something but yeah you have to be careful of those guys (laughs) when you're wandering around the rainforest and the crocodiles and the spiders and all of it but I'm definitely amazing to see Cape Tribulation and explore the beaches up there because it's uh it's it's the scenery is outstanding and you have these summits then at the sides and there's so much lush greenery it's uh definitely worth a visit so another area I visited was um called Curanda um also the Daintree rainforest um is there and you have so basically what I did was I got this railroad kind of journey up through the rainforest really really scenic like massive views massive drops um it's it's um actually called Barren Gorge Gorge Natural Park and there's like barren falls and like you're growing up on this railway. Like if you're scared of heights, you might get a little bit afraid because it's quite high. But the scenery is just oh unbelievable. And then when you return back from the Karanda village uh, where there is like an aviary. So loads of birds, um, a butterfly breeding center, crocodiles, koalas, kangaroos, um, loads of stuff. And they actually have a village you can buy like. Uh, you can buy things as well food and all of that and they have the electric blue Ulysses butterfly very unique one uh, very rare Um, and for the way back then you can actually get a cable car again if you have any fear of heights you might you know because you're going down the cable car for like I remember it was really long like it was definitely at least half an hour and you're super high up in the sky just staring down at greenery so like there's literally just trees below you massive 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 trees like as i said it's the oldest tropical lowland so these trees are ancient you know they're massive but yeah it's almost like staring into like 
just vastness of green you know it's amazing but up in Karanda the village um you can go into the butterfly breeding sanctuary and it's amazing I was just like butterflies 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 I couldn't believe it I was just like this is so amazing um I loved it and so many different colors and just unbelievable 1500 of tropical 1500 tropical butterflies in there amazing and then you get to go on the aviary the aviary was so funny like birds were like landing on my head birds were landing on my arms my shoulders at one stage it was like three birds I mean people were taking photos like it was so funny like I was just like I don't know why all these birds are on me (laughs) It was the funniest thing ever like it was just yeah it was a really funny experience um so yeah and I got to hold a koala which was amazing and it was a bucket list uh, encounter so I had to queue up on this line and they gave me the bear and I got to hold him for you know maybe 20 seconds but it was amazing um I can't tell you whether it's right or wrong to do it because now, you know, tourism has changed and, you know, things are a bit overboard and too many people are doing one thing. So, like, I don't know now what way it is, but when I was there, there was, you know, a small queue and it seemed very, it seemed like it was like more eco-tourism. But just be aware of that when you are visiting these sorts of places, you know. And I got to see kangaroos, which were amazing, and crocodiles, which I was like, oh, be careful. Um, but all of it worthwhile. So, yeah. So those were the places in Queensland. Um, and all of it just definitely worth the visit and my favourite part of Australia. So after Queensland, Cairns, I flew down to Melbourne and I this was the last bit of my trip um, in Australia and I went down and I stayed with some family and I kind of spent my time exploring the city um, it's coffee shops it's cake shops like oh delicious and um, then you can go up to like the sky decks and view the city um there's botanic gardens there which are stunningly beautiful but the most important thing that I did there was visit the penguins which I was so 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 excited about because like Australia when you think of Australia you're like oh it's super hot but no uh there's penguins there which is amazing on the south so and, and Melbourne can get really cold like super cold like Irish cold you know um and penguins are my other animal that I'm like, oh my God. Um, so yeah. And if you missed my Antarctica episode, go and listen to it because it's all about the penguins. So these penguins were fairy penguins. So like the ones in Antarctica I visited were king penguins, um, macaroni penguins, chinstrap penguins, gentoo penguins. And of course I met the Galapagos penguin. And then also, oh, the Adelaide penguin. But also, which was actually called after um, the man who found them. He called it after his wife. I think it was a French man or something. So it was really interesting. But there was also a penguin down in Patagonia. Well, not Patagonia. um, Near southern Chile. I'm trying to think of the name. 
Um, I can't remember it, but there's another penguin down there. So when I knew there was fairy penguins, I was like, let me find these fairy penguins. And I didn't have much time in Melbourne. Um, so I found out that they had a colony outside of the city, which was a few hours drive. Um, and there was over 30,000 penguins. But then I actually have also found out that there was some in the city um, at St Kilda. So there's a beach area called St Kilda. And I was like, oh, my God, let's go there. And my family didn't even know about it. Like they heard about it, but they never went. So then you just saw this like little crowd at the end of the pier where there was all these big rocks and we were just sitting there and it was like, you know, sunset and I got to see all the people kite surfing and the sun go down. It was so gorgeous. And um, yeah, it was like six or seven in the evening. It got dark and then like these crowds started to gather and I was like sitting on a rock and next thing this penguin just came flying up like but it's like little um what do they call it uh bow tie isn't it like the bow tie they wear like came flying up out of the water like waddling along and into the nest and there it went to lay its egg so it was amazing and like it actually came out like just literally by my feet and, you know, like, you don't move, like, don't disturb. Like, you know, they seem to be totally fine with people. Like, they just went into their nests and that was it. But it was amazing. And then, like, literally that guy came. And after that, they just started coming and coming and more and more and more and more and more. So it was just so beautiful. Um, a lovely, lovely experience. And I just spent the night there then a few hours watching them all come in on the banks, on the right, on the left. And... Yeah, like they had like animal welfare patrollers as well, which was really good because, you know, when people are in crowds in the dark, like you don't want to hurt a penguin or you don't want to be in its way because at some point, like I could see the penguins trying to go through and there was people. So it was so important to have those people there that they could make a pathway for the little penguins, little cuties. Um, yes, yeah, so that was amazing. So if you get to Melbourne, definitely go to St Kilda, see the colony. I think there's over a thousand of them there and they're only like about, you know, they're over 30 centimetres. So they're, they're like your ruler, the length of your ruler. So they're really small. But if you do want to see more, you can go out um, to the bigger colony outside the city and drive for a few hours. But I was perfectly happy just to see them there in their natural habitat. And as well, it was free. They just came in off the pier and it was perfect. So that's it for Australia, guys. Um, definitely, definitely um, look into some of those places and see how amazingly unique they are and how rare the species are in Australia. Super rare, a super unique ecosystem. And, you know, it is threatened like everywhere else on the planet. Bushfires, um, of course, the coral reef bleaching and, of course, um, degradation of the rainforests due to you know expanding infrastructure for humans for us because we're overpopulated and um, of course illegal tree felling and all of that so really important to be aware of all that but as I always say like your choices every day actually make an impact and you know consumption is our biggest um choice that we have because we consume every day so like what are you consuming how are you consuming are your products ethically sourced you know all of this are you buying clothes like how are you buying them are the companies that you invest in giving back to the environment 
you know like some companies give one percent profit back some companies give you know like are you just funding the big the big you know blockchains where they just keep destroying more of the environment which is essentially our home you know it's about connecting all the dots and and taking your power on on how you're using your money and your choice and your consumption um because it all matters you know um especially when it comes to meat consumption wood consumption palm oil all of that you know that's all in your power coffee everything so just be aware of that um and i suppose i'll give you updates this week on the bees and the nature and all of it here on the farm so the bees are doing great they were happy today it was sunny um it was raining for a few days and they all came out of the hive afterwards super excited to be out i suppose collecting and foraging and the ivy has started flowering so the ivy flow is on which is like the last crop for the bees to bring in nectar to produce honey for winter to keep them alive um and you know some people have been asking me about honey and and how it works like bees and and you know bees go to sleep like not to sleep but they don't forage during winter because there's no flowers so harvesting honey is really kind of once or twice because that's all you can really do like spring and and they come alive in the spring and they start getting out again but yeah like honey just because honey's in a shop doesn't mean honey's available all year that's just like probably not real honey you know or if you get what I mean like it's not from a local beekeeper that's raw and just produced from that year like that's probably mass um produced um and I think really the dates should be on them from when they were harvested because then you don't really know when you're getting it you know um but yeah so honey is like like I had one harvest um in August yeah um so far anyways unless I go and check the hives and there's like a massive excess um uh, you know after the ivy or something but probably not um and yeah so the ivies really have a look at the ivy at the moment if you're walking about and the greeks used to call it the poet's crown and they used to actually make um like they used to actually make like reeds out of it and they used to put it around like people's heads um like to ward off like evil and things like that so ivy is very symbolic in that sense as well um and it's like our last flowering bit of nectar so it's really important for bees and hoverflies and other species as well um i was also reading a bit about bats this week and how important bats are for the world and our ecosystems and bats pollinate loads of flowers as well and loads of crops that we may not even think of they're so important and there's so many species of bats as well um and a lot of them are going out and pollinating at night as well and they just put their head into the flower and they cover their face in the pollen and it's just amazing how it all works and they um like they have this like you know long kind of tongue that goes in and it's longer than them 
So like some of the vi- the pictures I was looking at of the bats, it was just like, whoa, like how is their tongue longer than their body? It was just incredible. So um, yeah, our species on this earth are amazing and they're doing such wonderful work for our survival and for all the other species survival. So remember always, we're all working together, you know? Um, so then on the farms, the vegetables, this week I have found Brussels sprouts. Super exciting. I had totally forgot I planted them because they took so long to come up. Uh, I was just putting stuff in the compost and I was like, oh, what's that plant? And then I looked and I was like, oh, Brussels sprouts. So that was really funny. I got a, I got a right shock. And cauliflowers and I found loads of these French beans as well on one plant that I had... I had left this, I had planted these bean plants out earlier in the year and the frost got them and and they had seemed to die but I left a couple of them in just to see what would happen and this week I just saw and it was after producing these beautiful French beans I was like oh my god amazing, just amazing. Um. So yeah and I did lose one cucumber plant this week so I think it's winding down season and uh, but all good otherwise, everything else is flourishing and my melons are getting bigger and I have butternut squash. I found butternut squash under all the vines, uh, which was another great surprise. So it's it's really fun just wandering around the tunnel one day and seeing the usual. And the next thing you see a surprise and you're like, oh my God, we got new food, new food for dinner. So exciting. So I guess on a final note about connecting to nature as always, um, I normally, well, every day I swim and I, I do cold water immersion and I connect with the ocean because it's just this reverent body which brings you back to your true self. Um, and the other day I went up the mountains on an adventure, the Comoraz, and I just had the most amazing day up there, like climbing through these massive rocks up high in the mountain and just like really using the body and feeling alive and seeing all the greenery for miles and miles in the Atlantic Ocean and yeah just climbing down rocks and in through crevices and being so high up on the ridges and seeing the birds up there and it was just amazing and the green the green that I could see between the fields the forest the vegetation it was just unbelievable like and I understand why people say Ireland is so green but um, that's just a little um, bit of encouragement. If you are thinking of climbing, go and go up a mountain. Um, the reward is something else and just the most beautiful experience. So yeah, guys, uh, that's it for Australia and for the environmental and nature bits. Don't forget to get out this week and ground yourself into the forest, into the ocean, up the mountain get a new perspective of uh, life and vision and yeah enlighten your soul uh, big thank you from me again thank you to everyone who purchased the books in Middleton Books and all the other places actually my photography as well I have prints inside in uh, Earthway Refill now um, some animal prints so some penguins and some seals from the Galapagos so if anybody is looking for um like a christmas present or anything there inside and there or you can contact me in private whichever you prefer um i hope you enjoyed australia the diving the butterflies the railway carriage the cable car the rainforest you know um and all the penguins in melbourne um 
A big thank you from me for tuning in, as always, and supporting the podcast. And thank you ever so much to the patrons who are supporting every week. Um, There is a new uh, article up on Patreon all about Antarctica, a complete guide. So everything from choosing your voyage to accommodation to surviving down there to top 20 things to do and loads of photos and all about the food as well. Um, You can check that article out on Patreon and get yourself uh, ramped up if you ever want to venture there, put it on the bucket list. And um, yeah, I wish you all a beautiful day and an even more fabulous weekend. Ciao!